I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Thursday, July 6th, 2023, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Jay, if you thought the meme stock craze was over, think again. Investors have spent almost $200 million trading theoretically worthless shares in Bed Bath & Beyond. But if you ask the internet, you just can't put a price on confusing Wall Street analysts, can you, Jay? I guess if you just want to stick it to the man, this is one way to to do it. it. I don't know how the man feels about being stuck with Bed Bath & Beyond stock being traded, but whatever. Yeah, I'm not sure either. You know what I'm excited for is I saw the trailer for the GameStop movie that's coming out. It's based on real events and it looks bad, but good enough that I'll watch it. Yeah, that's my movie going for the summer. Bad, but good enough to watch (laughs) it. We've seen three movies since the kids have been at camp last week. So I'm going to see them all. If you wanted a good recommendation, Peak Pals, I just watched, and that's relevant to the podcast, I just watched Blackberry, and it's an exceptional movie. It's an excellent movie. Everyone should watch it. It's great Canadian content at its best. And so we would highly recommend that. That's the Peak, officially now the Peak's movie of the summer, Blackberry. Okay, I have another movie that won't be the official peak movie of the summer, but we went to see Past Lives yesterday. A great, great movie. And there's actually one or two scenes in Toronto as well. So that's cool. We went from meme stocks to Bed Bath & Beyond to our movie recommendations. I don't know how we got there, Brett, but aside from all of those things, what do we have for Peak Pals today? You know, that's what Peak Pals can expect from us. A plethora of subjects. We've got a great episode for you, not film-related. Pete Pals, for our first story, Ottawa escalates the odd online news clash. For our second story, phages are all the rage. And for our last story, the widening wealth gap shows it pays to own stocks. For our first story, the feds just told Meta, oh, you want to be withholding? Well, two can play at that game. How are the feds responding to Meta's Canada news ban, Brett? So the federal government has suspended its advertising on Facebook and Instagram. That's worth about $10 million annually. And this is in response to Meta's decision to block Canadian news content for Canadian users once the Online News Act comes into effect. Now, Quebec Telco Quebecois, which owns the Journal de Montreal and Journal de Quebec, good pronunciation there, thank you. Those two newspapers also pulled ads from Facebook and Instagram in retaliation. Now, to catch you all up on kind of what's going on here, the Act Bill C-18 will force major online platforms to strike deals with publishers for linking to their content. The intention was to give publishers that have lost ad dollars to social media companies, which have profited off of their content, a little extra something. Meta claims Facebook generated 1.9 billion clicks in Canada for news articles between April 2021 and April 2022. Traffic they claim is worth over $230 million for publishers. And it matters because Ottawa hopes that playing hardball will bring Meta at the bargaining table where it can be talked into reversing the upcoming ban. Yeah, but holding strong could actually backfire. Meta already thinks it can live without news. It probably can live without the Fed's ad dollars too. I can tell you this, $10 million in ad spend is not a lot in Meta world. Meta also has a good reason to show no weakness as it looks to make an example out of Canada to scare off other countries from enacting similar legislation. On the flip side, Google, the other tech giant threatening a Canadian news ban, was praised by the feds for being open to finding a solution and will partake in the upcoming regulatory process. For our second story, Canadian scientists are studying the ways killer viruses could actually help save lives. That sounds like a pretty worthwhile initiative, Jay. What's the latest on the research? Well, Canada's first ever study using phages to combat superbugs is showing some early signs of success. Now, you might ask, what on earth is a phage? Well, they're common, naturally occurring viruses that solely kill and selectively target bacteria. 
Now, a study participant was deemed completely cured of a chronic antibiotic-resistant urinary tract infection. Clinics she felt better within the first 48 hours of treatment. Here's how it works. Phages are extracted from a sample and then delivered to a patient like any other drug, intravenously, orally, etc. Once in the body, they target a specific harmful bacteria, injecting their DNA into it and rapidly producing some phages until the bacteria dies. But phages are pickier than a toddler at dinner time. Most only target one strain of bacteria, which varies from phage to phage, meaning treatments are expensive and clinical trials are difficult. And studies need to find enough patients with the same strain. It matters because phage therapy's unique nature makes it highly effective while also mitigating risks that come with antibiotics like copious side effects and the creation of new drug-resistant superbugs. This is a huge deal as we enter the post-antibiotic age. Antibiotic-resistant superbugs are on track to kill some 396,000 Canadians by 2050, according to the Public Health Agency of Canada, and about 10 million worldwide. Well, here's what's next. Phage therapy is still in the trial phase in Canada, with the current study hoping to get an opinion on phage safety back from Health Canada within two years. And to zoom out, Canada lags behind other countries. Phage therapy is allowed in the U.S. and parts of Europe as a last resort medical option. Georgia, of all countries, is a leader in phage research because the Canuck who discovered phages actually moved there in the 1930s. It's a good piece of fact right there. For our third and final story, the gap between the richest and poorest Canadians is growing, but the reason why, it may surprise you, Brett. Yeah, so here's what's driving the news, Jim. The wealth gap between the top 20% of earners and the bottom 40%, it's widened by one percentage points, the fastest pace on record per New Stats Canada data. The top 20% of earners in Canada currently hold 67.8% of the country's net worth, compared with the bottom 40% holding just 2.7%, a 65.1 percentage point gap. So why are the top 20% doing so well, Brett? Well, one explanation is they have more exposure to the stock market and less to real estate. The widening wealth gap shows it pays to own stocks. Which brings us to our zoom out. That dynamic has also hit younger households hard, as they typically have had less time to build up a diversified portfolio of assets. Households aged 35 years and under derive 88% of their wealth from real estate, usually their home, compared with 40% of households aged 65 years and older. And here's why it matters. The widening wealth gap highlights the importance of real estate to low and middle income Canadians. Those of us who don't own property (coughs) may want to see home prices collapse, but that would come with a massive reduction in wealth for many households. Then you and I can meet in a cage battle. Yeah, Muskazak style. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett. And have a great day, Peak Pals. When you give me shock waves.